You just want a little bit more of the Patricks in your life. We understand how it is. Aguiloa try to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Pat's interference. I, I think Alabama makes it to the college football playoff. I've got what I feel could be the number one playmaker in college football. Baker Mayfield. Dude's a stud. I'm 5'7", 130. Do you think I'm big enough to be either David Robinson or Tim Duncan? Get ready. It's going to be a good year. Hello and welcome into this year four, episode 12 of Pat's Interference. I am Patrick Norwood, my co-host Patrick Brickman in Birmingham, getting a house, uh, actually being an adult, which is nice. That's really a, uh, a change of pace for this podcast, especially if you if you've never listened to this podcast, it is a college football podcast. We usually do two episodes a week, one for Alabama, our alma mater, and then one looking more at the national scope of things, uh, previewing uh, the week ahead and reviewing the week behind for both of those episodes. However, for this one, for the, I don't know, second or third week in a row now, it seems like we are going to do uh, one big episode. I will be covering it. Co-hosting with me tonight, though, big change of pace, making her podcast debut, as far as I know. I think so. Jade Stoner. Hello, everybody. Who went to big college football powerhouse, Savannah College of Art and Design. Go Bees. Go Bees. They don't play. No. They don't have a football team. We're undefeated. Team. Yeah. Uh, women's golf team. Real good, though. So thank you so much for listening. You can find us on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. You can follow us on Twitter at P-I underscore podcast. Or you can go to our website at patsinterference.com. Or if you need to email us, email us at patsinterference at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud or anything like that, go ahead. If there's anything you want us to talk about or not talk about, uh, we can do that too. Just leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Uh, no matter what you think, I will say we are perfect. We do have five-star reviews, uh, two of them, that we're very proud of. Very, very proud of. Uh, so you would be the first one to break our hearts, which is fine. We've had our hearts broken a lot before, but not Patrick Brickman, who has a job in Birmingham. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, he was being modest last week and he wouldn't let me get excited. I am jumping out of my shoes with this news. Uh, he is house hunting right now. Uh, sounds and looks like everything is good. You will hear his voice on this podcast. He did give us a couple sound bites and a couple talking points that, uh, he wanted to discuss and we're going to get to one of those right now. We're going to dive right into the episode and get to Alabama-Texas A&M, your final from that game, 45-23. to 23. Uh, Brick, go ahead and take it away. What's up, everybody? Patrick Brickman here. Uh, sorry I'm not on the podcast this week. I'm in Birmingham. We're doing the house hunting thing. Uh, things are going pretty well here, but I am not back in Florida, which means I'm not at my normal recording studio, which means I was not able to join Patrick live this week for the podcast, but I am certain that Jade Stoner is doing a fantastic job, uh, perhaps a better job, filling in. I know the episode is in great hands with her. All right, I'm going to start by recapping the Alabama-Texas A&M game in my own words. I know it was 45-23. Again, I'm, I'm in the car right now. I'm on the road. Um, I'm stopped. I'm not driving while I do this. But I don't have the stats in front of me like I normally do, so I'm going to have to kind of do this uh, from memory, which is okay. All right, so Alabama wins at 45-23. For all intents and purposes, it was really a 45-17 game. Uh, Texas A&M scored late. Yes, Texas A&M got some long runs from the quarterback. Yeah, that might that might be a weakness. I don't really think it's a weakness as much as Kellen Mond 
making some great plays with his legs and a learning moment for the defense and never, uh, you know, not have a spy on a guy like that. I don't think it's something that's going to be overarching. Alabama won't be playing too many um, quarterbacks of that caliber with their legs for the rest of the season, especially with the news that um, Kelly Bryant is leaving Clemson. If Alabama were to face Clemson, he won't even be there. It'll be Trevor Lawrence. So I'm not uh, mega concerned about that. You know, Jarrett Stidham can kind of move a little bit as we saw, but I don't expect him to be breaking off any long runs. Uh, This is a very long-winded way of saying, yeah, that might be the main complaint from the game is the fact that he was able to get chunk plays with his legs, but it's not anything that I'm super concerned about. In fact, I think this is another really way to look and see that what is what is Alabama's potential downfall this season I mean I'm being honest I try not to be too much of a homer in this situation but they played a probably B minus sort of game they had some great plays they had some lulls this was the least perfect game they've played yet and it was still over by halftime 31-13 at halftime right and they just it kind of rode the thing out through the third and fourth quarter. They Tua didn't make it into the fourth quarter yet again. Still put up nearly, I think, 383, nearly 400 yards passing. I, I don't know where the challenge is outside of a road game against LSU and then an Auburn game just by virtue of it being a rivalry game um, because I'll talk about Auburn a little bit more as we go on. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling off of Auburn, and you guys all know how I feel about LSU. So really this is a collision course in my mind to the SEC championship game still unless there's just any kind of major meltdown. That's that's Alabama's story. Avoid a major meltdown. They have not had a major meltdown in a game since 2014 Ole Miss and that's a game they still barely lost and they had five turnovers. I've said it last week. I'll say it this week. Unless Alabama can avoid going out and having a 5-6 turnover effort against a very good team, I don't see another team on the schedule that's going to be able to go 60 minutes of Tua. Again, to beat Alabama, you're going to have to beat them for 60 minutes, right? You can play them close for a quarter. You can play them close for a half. But Tua's staying in this game, and then he's been coming out before the usually halftime, now the fourth quarter. So a big win for Alabama at home against the first quality opponent. I would like to throw out there that I saw the stat They've had the 10th toughest schedule so far this season. Yeah, they haven't played a major team, but it's still early. It's still September. Nobody's really had this gauntlet of a schedule yet. It's going to come. No, Alabama probably won't finish at the top 10, but they played some good opponents. So with that said, those are my quick, very, I'm at about four minutes here thoughts on the game. That's my spiel. Um, next week I'll be able to really get it in and, and, and break down the game again. If I'm with Patrick Norwood, if he doesn't replace me with Jade Stoner, I think he might be leaning that way if I'm being honest, guys. All right, I'll talk to you guys later on in the podcast. All right, thanks, buddy. So that's Patrick Brittman's take of Alabama-Texas A&M. Uh, he didn't have the stats in front of him, and he was on the road, and Lord knows if he was driving or not. He told us he wasn't, but... I've seen the man drive, and I look, I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, so, Jade, you were on the couch with me. I was. Watching this game. There was a lot of spinning after every touchdown. Yes, so I have a tradition where I spin my dog after every touchdown. Wait, I pick her up, which she's 45 pounds. Things escalated this week. Yeah, uh, it got out of hand. Uh, so, we won't bore you with those details, but 
Big win by Alabama. Uh, this is sort of, people sort of saw this as Alabama's first test. Obviously, Texas A&M gave Clemson a run for their money. Uh, when they had him at Kyle Field, uh, that was very much the opposite case uh, this past Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Tua Tungavailoa going 22 for 30, or excuse me, 22 for 30 for 387 yards and four touchdowns. That's a 94 quarterback rating. Uh, Jalen Hurts, three for three for 28 yards, no touchdowns, nothing to report there. Uh, big work again from the uh, sophomore receiving core, especially Jerry Judy. Uh, six receptions for 78 yards. First time this season, though, Jade, without a touchdown. Uh, but we do have news for Jerry Judy as far as the rest of the week is concerned, right? Yes, he should be really happy right now because he has been added to the Bolitnikoff watch list. I can't think of another time when I've ever seen a player get added to a watch list this late. Usually if that happens, it's after week one or two, I feel like. So uh, really kind of a different set of circumstances there. Uh, but Jerry Judy, obviously very deserving. Like I said, this is the first time this season uh, he has not had a touchdown. You're a big Jerry Judy fan. He's my favorite. He's your favorite. Uh, had a couple big catches, had one along the sideline that he went up and got. Uh, his size makes him really tough to defend. Um, and I think a lot of people... Uh, have seen that so far, but he's he's not really that Julio type where he can get down the field and just bulldoze people. He's not really the Amari Cooper type uh, where he can just kind of leave people in the dust, but he does remind me a lot of Calvin Ridley, Jade, which you saw yeah, last, last year. year. Yeah, uh, Calvin Ridley, great uh, route running ability, uh, really soft hands, quick off of catching the ball, and refuses to go down, which you saw quite a bit this week uh, from not just Jerry Judy, the entire Alabama team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's that's something to keep your eye on. I don't actually know if Judy will win the Belenikoff. One can hope. One can hope. But I don't, I'm not sure, and that's nothing against his talents. I'm just not sure that award usually goes to a guy who is his quarterback's only target. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's that guy. And now you've got Tua and he's got Irv Smith Jr. who's really came to play especially the past couple of games. You've got Demonte Smith, Henry Ruggs III. Yeah, uh, Ruggs has been doing work. Hale Hentges had two touchdowns this past game, uh, which is something that we mentioned. If you're not following us on Twitter, again, that's PI underscore podcast. I'm going to start doing a thing on Mondays now that I've got a little bit more time where uh, I'm calling it Pat's Stats. Uh, I'm going to go through and find my favorite headlines, my stats. I'm going to try and pick three national, three Alabama every single week. Uh for the rest of the season and just try and find some good things. But Hale Hinches has one less touchdown this season than he did last season. And he's caught two touchdown passes this last Saturday. So that's one of the interesting notes. Another interesting note from this game. We'll get to the defensive side of the ball in a minute. Jade, Joseph, beloved you long time. The elusive Alabama field goal. 47 yarder. It was a beautiful sight. That was the first field goal, uh, or the longest field goal, since September 24th, 2016, when Adam Griffith kicked a 48-yarder against Kent State. Now, he did have one that was a little bit longer than that the year before in 2015, en route to Alabama's national championship. It was a 55-yarder against LSU. I don't think I'll ever forget that as long as I live. Uh, Patrick Brittman, a big Adam Griffith fan that night, and I'm pretty sure that night only. Uh, defensive side of the ball, Dylan Moses, nine tackles, five solo, one tackle for loss. He led the team in tackles, but he was not your SEC Defensive Player of the Week 
which belonged to Isaiah Bugs. Jade, uh, tell me a little bit about Bugs' performance. He had seven tackles. Yeah. And I believe five of them were sacks. Uh, no, he had one sack, five solo tackles. Oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't read your handwriting. It's okay. Uh, but still, a big game from Isaiah Bugs, a guy that a lot of people were pointing to. Preseason All-American, uh, really a vocal leader on that defense, I think. Um, and a guy that has just got to carry that Alabama defense up front the rest of the season. And I expect him to do so. You've got uh, Raquan Davis up front, Isaiah Bugs. You go back, you've got guys like Dylan Moses. Uh, you're just stacked on that Alabama front seven. And like Brick mentioned, you know, let's let's take this a little bit more of a wide scope. You look at the rest of the season for Alabama, there's not a ton of hurdles, right? You've got Georgia, who you're probably going to meet in the SEC championship game. If you get past that, and with the way Georgia played this past week, if they play that way against Alabama, I don't think they'll beat Alabama. I really don't. We'll see next month when we go watch Alabama play Missouri. In person. At home. So we're going to see. And we saw it a little bit this week. You know, like I said, Clemson struggled against Texas A&M. Alabama just handled Texas A&M. Now, Clemson was playing at Kyle Field at night, was still in the midst of a uh, quarterback controversy, which we're going to get to in a minute because I know everybody's uh, wanting to hear our opinions on that. Uh, but you, you look at the, the comparison between those two games – it's hard not to give the nod to Alabama after that performance. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, you know, Kellen Mond, a great game, uh, you know, great athlete back uh, in the backfield. Um, it really has shown a lot of improvement, I think, since last year. I think last year, a uh, little overwhelmed, uh, didn't really seem settled all the time. Now he seems more composed in the pocket. Uh, seems like he's kind of making his reads a little bit better, only scrambling when he needs to. Uh, things of that nature oh definitely uh so next week alabama plays former uh as they were formerly known i should say university of louisiana lafayette now just the university of louisiana jade what is something you're looking forward to this next saturday uh in the nooner by the way we get the noon slot for this game well i'm looking for a jerry judy touchdown yes since we didn't get any this past week right and now he's on the bulletnikoff list so you've got to start you got to start scoring you got to help him out yeah absolutely uh yeah i you know obviously i'd love to see the receivers get involved i'd love to see two kind of spread the ball out a little bit more uh we're now looking at a very weird weird situation where we have a guy who is nominated or not nominated but is on the Heisman watch list. Uh, and he hasn't played a full game. He's the Heisman favorite right now. He still has yet to play a full game. We're not going to get a full game this week out of him. Uh, we're not getting one until probably the bye week. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, you, you look at these games. You've got Louisiana, Arkansas, who is one of the worst Arkansas teams I've ever seen played. It's bad. If you are a Razorbacks fan... The panic button needs to be punched repeatedly until a new coach is there. I mean, we are talking full fire sale. If you've not watched Arkansas play this year, go watch them. Uh, I do want to bring something up, but we'll do it later in the national episode in that Auburn game. Uh, but anyway, back to Tua. He's not playing that full Arkansas game unless something goes horribly wrong. He could play the whole game against Missouri, but Georgia just beat Missouri by 14 on the road. I think Alabama's got a pretty good chance of beating Missouri at home 
uh, in what is probably going to be the 230 game that week. Uh, I can't imagine there's an SEC game that's bigger than that, unless that that could be Georgia-Florida, so I may be lying about that. Uh, I, I don't have Georgia's schedule in front of me. but So you've got Missouri, which he could play the whole game, but we doubt it, because I don't think Missouri's as good as Texas A&M, do you? I don't think so. So then you've got Tennessee, which is a giant dumpster fire. Yeah. Uh, which Jeremy... is the bigger dumpster fire, Arkansas or Tennessee? I've got to go Arkansas because at least Tennessee's trying to get on the right track hiring a new coach. Fair. I think when Jeremy Pruitt gets his recruiting classes in, it's going to be a little bit better. Tennessee had a player quit in the middle of the game this week. Did you see this? Oh, he pulled a Buffalo Bills. Yes, he pulled a Vontae Davis. Very good. Uh, Vontae Davis for the Bills quit at halftime. He is a professional who gets paid money. This is, this is a kid who just stopped playing football. Uh, apparently, he and Jeremy Pruitt got into a discussion. He didn't want to trot out on the field. Jeremy Pruitt said, that's fine. You can trot in the locker room, and then you can trot home. And he did. Uh, still waiting to hear the final verdict on that if he's off the team. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt was still kind of wishy-washy on that uh, in the middle of his press conference after the game. So you've got those four teams... That's it? That's it. And then you've got Alabama's bye week and then the next week's LSU, which you've got to imagine Tua plays. So you're looking at Tua not playing a full game until November. Wow. So how can you justify him being in the Heisman discussion if he doesn't play a full game? The numbers are there. You bring that up, and you're right. Out of the rest of the court, so the other uh, quarterbacks and the other favorites for the Heisman right now are Will Greer out of West Virginia, who we're going to talk about in a minute, and Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. Dwayne Haskins with 14 touchdowns, no picks. Tua has 12 touchdowns, no picks. So not a lot of separation there. Tua's quarterback rating also better. He also has a better rating on third down conversions. Will Greer has thrown for a crap ton of yards. Pretty sure he has 18 touchdowns, but he's also thrown four interceptions. Mm, that'll hurt you. So it's, it's, there's not a lot of separation there, like I said. So it's just, it's, I, I can't think of another time. And again, people are now starting to realize and recognize Tua Tonga Vailoa as a generational talent. We hear that all the time. He's a generational guy. He's a generational guy. But very rarely do you ever actually see it on the football field. We could be seeing that with Tua. Now, then again, he could go out this week and throw six picks against ULL. And then, it, or excuse me, now it's just UL. Uh, and then it's all over. Right. Why would you say such a thing? Well, it's it's UL, it's Louisiana, which I'm still getting used to. I still want to call. It, I mean, they're the raging. They're always going to be Lafayette. They're the raging Cajuns. How can you call them anything else? So uh, that is it uh, for the Alabama side of things. We got through it and a little under what I wanted. I want this episode to be about 30 minutes. I'm not going to kill you guys. The best 30 minutes are obviously when Patrick Britman is talking. No offense, Jade. I can never fill those shoes. It's okay. So. Uh, Brick, obviously gone. I want to keep this a little bit shorter. Um, we are going to get into the national episode, uh, right now though, or the national portion of the episode. Um, and it, it was a weird week. It was a really weird week. There were games all day. It was the first time, Jade, you and I have sat on the couch and just watched college football all day this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, the rest of the weeks I've either been traveling or you were in Greensboro one weekend with your parents. Um, so I was alone watching the games. Uh, for myself thank you for that uh you had a couple friday night games uh washington state looked like they were going to pull it out against usc just couldn't get it done um 
you had uh, their quarterback, uh, Minshew, threw for 344 yards. You know the Pirate had to be pleased about that. Jade Stoner, a big Mike Leach fan. Oh, he's fantastic. The Pirate, is his wisdom is not lost on Jade Stoner. Absolutely not. Uh, UCF uh, didn't struggle with FAU early. Um, the unidentified Citrus Fruits uh, played their best football in the second half. Um, Milton trying to make his case for the Heisman, but it's tough when you have the 92nd strength of schedule. I just want to bring that up again in case anybody's not paying attention. Uh, Alabama and Texas A&M we just talked about. Georgia at Missouri. Georgia wins by 14, but it's a lot. It wasn't that close. It wasn't just a two-score game. Georgia really struggled as far as their discipline was concerned. Kirby Smart very frustrated by that. Um, you could tell on the sidelines, they asked him at halftime. He said they weren't disciplined. There were so many times Missouri got to third down. Drew Locke looked like he was in a bind, threw it away, and then just got tattooed. I remember one time in the backfield, it was a late hit, and they got a free first down out of it. You know that's got to make Kirby Smart a defensive guy tear his hair out. So that's some that's some issues they're going to want to fix. Jake Fromm threw for 260 yards. Evander Holyfield, do you know that name? Sounds familiar. You, it should. He was a heavyweight boxer. Yeah. Yeah, fought Tyson, Mm -hmm. all those guys, Lennox Lewis. He was a stud. His son is a running back at Georgia now. All right. He's jacked. He had 90 yards. He's been, he's really come out of his shell. Greg and I talked about him a little bit last week, but he's really looking like a guy that could, you know, sort of, I don't want to say take over this Georgia backfield, but he could be a huge contributor. You know, they've always run that sort of two running back system. Uh, So that's something to look at. Uh, We're going to, we're gonna save. We're gonna save sweethearts for the end, mainly because my heart hurts and I'm still not over it. It's gonna be okay. It's not. It I, is. I appreciate you telling me that. I promise you, it's not. Louisiana Tech at LSU. This game looks closer than it was. It, it was a 38-21 finish. LSU was up 24 nothing before the comeback even started, uh, so it, it wasn't really ever an issue. Jamar Smith from Louisiana Tech, the quarterback, uh, going 27 for 50. Uh, for three touchdowns and one interception. Uh, really, though, this was all LSU's game. Um, Burroughs, still just the weirdest. He's the weirdest undefeated quarterback I've seen in a long time. He's not doing anything that really just leaps off the page at me. But at the same time, he's not doing anything to lose the game, which is very weird for an LSU quarterback. Right? You mean he's not flashy? He's just keeping his head down, getting the job done? Sort of, but he's it's just awkward. Like, he's 16 for 28 for almost 200 yards, and he didn't throw a touchdown. Boy almost threw for 200 yards and didn't have a touchdown. It's an interesting move. It's just... I, Maybe he's just ugh. very humble, sharing the love with his running backs and whatnot. Well, his running backs did have a big game. Uh, I would say they're the only ones scoring, Brissette right? had a big game. Uh, Clyde Edwards... Hilaire, I assume, is how you pronounce that, although I haven't really checked the pronunciation of that and honestly haven't watched too much LSU football this year. He had 20 carries for 136 yards and two touchdowns, though. Um, So the running game for LSU, as it is every year, looks very consistent, very good, which is bad news for LSU. How many times have we been doing this podcast, or how many years in a row, I should say, where we look down, we've got a great LSU team, and all they do is run the ball? And they're stuck in that 2007-2008 sort of mindset where you just pound it on the ground and there's no air attack. Which, those of you who are loyal listeners, know I adore. 
If it were up to me, we'd abolish the forward pass. Now, obviously, this is before I meant to have. And he changed my life. Uh, Joe Burrow did have a fumble. Um, but like I said, just not really, not really a game that was close. Um, you know, they won by 17, but it's still something to look, I mean, they're the number five team in the nation right now. Uh, like it's, it's just crazy. It's just nuts. They play Ole Miss this week, right, Jane? Yes. Yeah. They play Ole Miss. So that's probably going to be a cakewalk. Um, pretty sure that game's in Tiger Stadium, right? It is. Yeah. The game's in Tiger Stadium, which is damn near impossible to win over there unless you're Alabama. Uh, Stanford at Oregon. Let's go ahead and get into this doozy. What a game. Huge game. Uh, Pac-12 after dark, not disappointing. Oregon at one point was up by 17. Had an issue where a kid kicked a pylon. And instead of reaching the ball over it, he kicked it. That doesn't count in football. No. Ball has to cross the plane. The foot is not your ball, despite the name of the sport. The pylon cam was the deciding factor in that call. Wow. I think that's the first time I've ever seen the pylon cam really be the deciding factor as far as the play in the corner of the end zone. Now, obviously, it's been a deciding factor when the ball's crossing the plane, when it's, you know, third and goal from the two, and they're trying to see if the quarterback got it in. Uh, but this game was wild from start to finish. So you had a swing where Oregon was up 30-7. to seven. Mm-hmm. They take away that touchdown. It's 24-7. Mm-hmm. to seven. The next, like, two or three plays, I think it was two plays afterward, uh, Oregon's center snaps it over their quarterback's head. It was third and goal, so it would have been two plays, or three plays later. Uh, snaps it over their head. Stanford returns it for a touchdown. So you go from being up 30-7 to seven to then it's 24-14. Mm-hmm. And then you just saw it. Just the tight end heavy Stanford offense line up and just chip, 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 chip. And before you know it, it's a game. Mm-hmm. It was a good game, too. Oregon had it. They did. They did. And I think the real turning point in that was when the running back fumbled it. Yes. And he tried. He was trying to stretch it to get that first down. He was trying to do too much. I mean, honestly, and that's what it comes down to, but it should have never been in his hands. Here's the point. If you're Oregon in that game, you've got Justin Herbert. He's thrown three incompletions the entire game up to that point. Now, he threw a ton in overtime. This game did go to overtime. Well, yes, because after the fumble, right. they returned it for a field goal. Right. It, the whole momentum shifted. Well, yeah, and the, the air completely went out of Outson. But what I'm saying is you've got to kneel it. If you kneel it three times there, Stanford had one timeout, I think, to that point. You get the clock down to, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 seconds. You have two options at that point. You go conservative, which is what I would have done, and you punt it, worst-case scenario, uh, you ki- you kick it out of bounds, you shank it. Just get it out of bounds. That's all you got to do. Alternatively, you snap it, tell Justin Herbert to run backwards as far and as fast as he can, turn around and throw it as high as he can in the air. I'm serious. Because if you're going to fumble the ball at that point in the game, just go ahead and try something crazy. And I, I understand what the running back's trying to do there. You're trying to win it for your team. You're trying to seal a big win. You haven't had a lot of bad luck. I mean, Oregon was great on the ground. Oregon's been fantastic on the ground this year. That's something that we haven't seen from an Oregon team in a long time. They've been great on the ground this year. Uh, Stretches the ball out. It gets knocked out. Stanford, like Jade said, takes it, kicks a field goal. They go to overtime. Oregon never had a shot in overtime. It never looked, after that fumble, it never looked like Oregon was going to win that game. Not once. Uh, So Stanford survives, I think is the best way to say that. 38-31. Uh, the Pac-12, still a dumpster fire. Uh, Stanford, 
Washington, you could argue as maybe a saving grace, but we'll get to them next. Uh, it was just or in a couple games, actually. I do want to touch on Auburn. Um, but that Stanford-Oregon game was just wild. That was that, I think I'll look back at this past week in college football and go, oh, yeah, that was the crazy it game. It was a very exciting game that was, to watch. That was a really fun one. Washington State and USC was great, too, but I fell asleep because I can't do I can't do back-to-back Pac-12 after dark nights. I can't do it. I'm, I'm too old. Especially that intense. I'm too old, and I just can't do it. And I can't watch a pirate lose, either. I hate watching Mike Leach lose, man. He doesn't deserve it. No. He had a gopher named Bilbo when he was a kid. If you haven't read that Players' Tribune article, Google Mike Leach Players' Tribune. It's just five thoughts from Mike Leach, and it's just the most nuts. It has nothing to do with football. I think I need to reread it. It's incredible. It really is a work of art. That and Derek Mason finding his magical sheet of paper are two of my favorite college football stories from the past five years. Uh, okay, uh, Arkansas and Auburn. So Auburn won this game 34-3. to But if you look at the box score, they lost in almost every category except turnovers. They had no turnovers. Arkansas fumbled it. I think they fumbled and threw a pick. Uh, Stidham only threw for 134 yards. Uh, he's 15 for 22, which is pretty good. Um, they had 91 rush yards as a team. They had 225 total yards against one of the worst teams in the SEC. By far, I think, the worst team in the SEC West. Uh, and you're not controlling time of possession. Arkansas had the ball for 32 and a half minutes in this game. I mean, it's just, you look at the box score and it's, it's a, it tells a completely different story. Um, how did Arkansas only score three points? That's how bad Arkansas is. How do you control time of possession for 32 and a half minutes and put up those other kinds and of have numbers? a field goal? That's bad. If you're Auburn, I, I don't, I don't think you're panicking yet. And I, I really wish Brick were here. Cause I think he gave us a little bit more insight on this. Um, and in a couple of weeks, he'll be covering Auburn. That'll be one of his schools. So That's crazy. We'll, we'll get a little bit more intel there. Uh, but it's it's just wild. I, I mean, if you're Auburn, you've got to be looking at this offense and you're saying, okay, why is it not clicking like last year? Because last year at this point, Auburn was a well-oiled machine. Uh, they had the, they they had the loss against Clemson that was pretty bad, and then I was I was saying that they needed to fire Miles on as many people were, and Brick told me to calm down. And then a couple of weeks later, they were back on track. Well-oiled machine. Defense looked great. Defense looked great in this game, but their offense is not producing. Um. So, you know, and then obviously they, later that season went on to beat the eventual national champion in Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Uh, so, Auburn's got to figure it out, man. You, or do they? You, I'm not mad about it. You've got to, well, if you're an Auburn fan, you're mad about it. Because you've got to figure it out. You've got to play LSU still. You've got to play Georgia. And you've got to play Alabama. Two of those games are on the road. So, it's time to figure it out if you're Auburn. All right. Herm Edwards, given a little trouble to probably my least favorite playoff pick I've had in a long time, Washington. Because nothing about Washington right now looks like a playoff team. Not in the least. They just beat the Sun Devils at home by seven. And I'm not saying Arizona State's terrible. They did beat Michigan State, but I'm starting to wonder how great that Michigan State team is. Uh, It's just... Why did you let me pick Washington in my play? I also picked Washington. I know you did. I, I look. It, I it's... just like the little husky dog. Are you good? Yeah. All right. Uh, I think Washington. 
I, I felt more confident about Browning than I probably should have. I feel like their entire game plan is let's bomb it down the sideline and hope we have a good gain. And if not, we'll try and run it up the middle for two yards. It's It just looks moronic. It looks bad. Arizona State looks like they're trying to turn it around, which is nice. But I don't anticipate Washington making it through the season without another loss. If they do, that's great. They'll make the playoff and I'll look like a genius. But I just don't see it happening. Uh, their schedule's too tough. They're playing in the Pac-12, which this year is, it's like a Mad Max landscape. It's, it's just chaos reigns. Uh, we do have West Virginia going up top, beating Kansas State. My boy Bootstraps Bill. Bootstraps, Bootstraps. Throws for 356 yards. Still looking on pace in that uh, in that Heisman race. Um, and if Tua, you know, doesn't play another half of football till November, you know, if he doesn't play a full game until November, I should say, why not? put Will Greer as your Heisman winner. But uh, Brick has a little bit more intel uh, that he wants to get between West Virginia and Texas Tech, who beat Oklahoma State 41-17, threw for 397 yards, and looked powerful doing it. That's a road game for Texas Tech, too, Uh, in a game where Brick and I really liked Oklahoma State. So now you've got Texas Tech and West Virginia. Uh, Brick, we're going to go ahead and let you take that one away. Uh, and give us your thoughts. All right, guys, one last time joining you for a game I'm really going to be paying close attention to this week. I don't know if I'm going full-on, full-blown upset special, but I will be very closely watching Texas Tech against West Virginia. All right, the reason I am throwing this game out there, Texas Tech blew out Oklahoma State last week. It it was not close. I don't remember the full – it was like 45-14. It was – it was a full-on blowout, and, and Oklahoma State was ranked 15th. Texas Tech now ranked, right? They lost to Ole Miss to open the season, but now they're playing good. They're playing very good football. They'll be at home. Uh, West Virginia, who I would normally just straight up go, no, they're, they're not going to lose this game. Well, West Virginia had that, that cancellation two weeks ago. They have not – the best team they've played at this point still is Tennessee. They haven't had a threat yet. I still think that there's a – Really what I think, this is an 11 a.m. game from Lubbock, from Texas Tech. One of these two teams is going to come out flat. I'm more leaning toward the team that has not been tested. That would be West Virginia. One of them will come out flat. I'm not saying, one of two things is going to happen is what I'm saying. West Virginia will come out flat and they will lose narrowly to Texas Tech or win narrowly. Or Texas Tech will come out flat and West Virginia will kill them. Somebody will come out flat. That's going to be the difference. But if I have to pick a game, if I need to put my stamp on an upset, that's the one I'm looking at this week. All right. So Brick Collin for the upset watch. Not really picking the upset as much as just saying look out for it, which, you know, it's Pat's interference. It's a watch, not a warning. Yeah, we can. Exactly. Nice. Thank you. All right. Uh, So you've got Mississippi State. Losing on the road to Kentucky. Jay, I'm, j- I'm going to ask you. Don't give me a reason. Buy or sell Kentucky? Buy or sell. Buy or sell. What do you mean? So we play this game a lot on the podcast. That means if they had stock, would you buy stock for Kentucky, meaning you believe in them? Or would you sell it because you don't think they're going to be that good? Currently 4-0. They've knocked off Florida, which happened for the first time in 32 years. And they've beaten Mississippi State who is ranked 14th. I'll buy. I'll drink that water. Okay. So Jade Stoner buying Kentucky. I'm not. I'm not. It's a, look. You're not? You're selling? I'm selling Kentucky. 
I'm not sure how great Mississippi State is. This was Mississippi State's first test, and they didn't show up to play at all. They scored a touchdown. They've got a new coach. Mm-hmm. I said at the beginning of the season, I wasn't really sure how great they were going to be. It feels like Nick Fitzgerald is... I, I, look, he's the new Bo Wallace. He's been at school forever, I feel like. I know it's just because last year he made Alabama's life a living hell. I was actually on your couch for that game. Yikes. Yeah, that was not a fun one. Uh, Devontae Smith going down the middle off a of Jalen Hurts touchdown uh, pass to win it with 20-something seconds left, I think. Mm-hmm. You still have the video on your phone of me on the floor. Screaming you hate football. I do hate football. This sport tortures me. Why do we do this every Saturday? I've got to talk to Brick about this. I don't know why we keep watching this. I think next year we're going to do like a golf podcast. Interesting. We'll make Pat's Interference Golf. we got to think of a good golf pun. Jade, I'll leave that to you. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I am selling Kentucky. I'm proud of them. And I think it's great. But I think picking anyone out of the SEC East other than Georgia is a pipe dream. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I, I just, I don't think Benny Snell is really going to put up a ton of yards against Georgia. Now, if I'm wrong, I'll eat my words gladly. Uh, that'd be fun to see. I'll make a cake. But it's the first time that Kentucky and Duke University are in the AP Top 25 and football together since 1957. I saw that. That was one of Pat's stats this week. Uh, Jade and I actually going to a Duke game this weekend. Yes. Saturday night. They play Virginia Tech at home. Uh, we're going with a dear friend of the podcast, Kevin Burke, who was on the drum line at Virginia Tech, who is very downtrodden right now. Yeah. Virginia Tech losing to Old Dominion. Uh, in what looks like a game where Old Dominion's entire game plan was, uh, screw it. We're going <laughs> to throw for 40 yards every single play. And if it gets picked off, that's fine. And if not, we're going to score a touchdown. And it worked. Unfortunately for Kevin. Unfortunately for Kevin, who was, to say inconsolable is an understatement. We love you, Kevin. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't blame him. They had a backup quarterback come in and throw for 500 yards. 495 yards for this cat. They didn't just beat Virginia Tech. It was 49-35. You can't come back from that. Yeah. That is not a you lost last second on a field goal. No. Out of the past uh, three largest upsets in college football since they've started announcing the spread and that's been a big thing in Vegas, right? As far as college football is concerned and ESPN's picked it up and everything. Virginia Tech is on the losing end of all three of those games. I think it was Temple in 98. It was the JMU game a couple years back and then it was Old Dominion this year. They're on the losing end of all three of those. So uh, Virginia Tech also losing Josh Jackson. uh, Injured his leg. He's out for the rest of the season. So now you're, you, you've got your backup in there, a transfer from Kansas, you know, the football stalwart that is Kansas. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not good, but we're going to see what type of team comes out Saturday. I, I'm really looking forward to going to this game. Too, I have faith. Because I think if Virginia Tech can turn it around in this game, look, yes, that's awful. You cannot lose to Old Dominion. You but now they're going to be hungrier than ever. Are they, though? they got to come back. But the season's over. That's still your dignity, your pride. You gotta fight for what it. What pride? Your starting quarterback's gone, and you lost to Old Dominion and Norfolk. 
So there's there's not, no pride there anymore. You know what, though? It's not always about the starting quarterback. Let last year's national championship be that's, a lesson there. That's Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great point, Jade. But I don't think Virginia Tech's backup from Kansas is anything like Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Okay. Well, I believe in them. Okay. Come on, Look, Mokey. I would love to Get see it. Get it together. At this, like I said, you've still got the, you've, you've got the conference championship. If you can get to the conference championship, this is a win. This season is huge for Virginia Tech, no matter what happened in the Old Dominion game. As much as Kevin doesn't want to believe it. Yeah. I believe it. I believe in the Hokies. I believe it. We're, we're going to be wearing our maroon and orange. Gobble, gobble. I don't, I guess I'll wear a bull shirt. That's the most orange I have. I'm just going to wear like crimson and pretend it's maroon. Okay. Roll Tide. Uh, Wisconsin at Iowa. They finally, finally get over that hump. Uh, they win 28-17, finally beat Iowa at home. Uh, Texas knocks off future employer 31-16. Starting to wonder how good Ohio State is. They struggled with Tex- with uh, TCU for quite a while. Now, that game was a quote-unquote neutral site in Dallas, so it's basically a home game for TCU. But at the same time, uh, if Texas is beating you by 15 and Texas lost to Maryland at the beginning of the season, and then you almost, I mean, you were, they had Ohio State on the ropes. Bosa's out the rest of the year. Watch out for Ohio State, especially this upcoming week. I'll get more into that uh, later in the podcast. Uh, a, a, a ton of games. Like I said, just a whole rack of ribs worth of college football games this week. Because um, you had that one. And those were the type of games that you just kind of flipped to back and forth. Uh, Michigan State. Kind of struggling with Indiana, which was interesting. 35-21. The OG sweetheart, Purdue, knocking off Boston College 30-13. to Purdue, really looking like a fun team to watch, honestly. Uh, Nebraska, my God, man. Stop the bleeding. Ugh. Ugh. Just put a bandage on it. Do something. 56-10 to for Michigan. Are Michigan and Texas back? Back? Are they back? We don't know. Because two weeks ago you would ask me, I said no, obviously not. Now they both just knocked. I mean, I, uh, Mich- back is a strong word. Back is a strong word. I just Shea Patterson only threw for 120 yards in a game where they won 56 to 10. I bet he got taken out early. I didn't watch any of that game because why would I? Um, Maryland making a case, I guess. Making a case, I, I, I don't know. They beat. They beat Minnesota. That's a team that usually has a lot of headway at this point in the season. Virginia actually is looking like they're kind of turning it around 45-31. That Virginia-Virginia Tech game at the end of the season is starting to look more and more interesting. Uh, Hoping the Hokies can pull it out for Kevin, but honestly, Virginia's quarterback probably had the most athletic play I saw this weekend, completely jumped over somebody. The Duke Blue Devils, Jade, as you and I sit here in Durham, are ranked. And beat Baylor forty to twenty-seven, which yeah. looks like a women's basketball score, <laughs> but I promise it's not. Forty to twenty-seven. We're gonna see how good Duke kind of is. A low basketball score for this, Duke. Well, it's, yep. Uh, Georgia Tech loses to Pitt because Pitt things. Tennessee figures out how to play defense a little bit. Twenty-four nothing. Uh, you know, it's 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 just. Or excuse me, excuse me. I'm looking at week three. I apologize. Tennessee gets smacked by Florida this week. That's what happened, and yeah, then the kid quit. Duke play Central this week. Duke did play Central this week. It was the I apologize. For I was looking at week three. Yes, it was the battle for Durham. Uh, 55-13 for Duke. I apologize for that. Um, Baylor beat Kansas, so they had a bounce back week. 
South Carolina showed Vanderbilt, who's boss, pretty hard, 37-14. Remember, Vanderbilt's a team that gave a number eight Notre Dame a game a couple weeks ago. And I don't think that's a comment to Vanderbilt's uh, greatness as much as how overrated Notre Dame is. But again, we'll cover that uh, in a little bit. I'm looking at all this on my phone. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little scrambled here this week without my partner. Jade, you're doing great. I know. We're I'm all very proud of you. How, how do you feel so far? I'm honestly just really honored and flattered to be here. All right. That's plenty. Uh, Air Force loses to Utah State, which is annoying. Uh, San Diego State beating Eastern Michigan. If you stayed up to watch this game and you're on the, uh, if you were on Eastern time, that game finished at 1.37 in the morning because it went to overtime and it's the fall and it's college football so guess who stayed up to watch that game not me not jade jade was fast asleep patrick watch that game the aztecs undefeated not looking like a team that could really do anything though hawaii bounces back beats duquesne 42 to 21 that hawaii team's really interesting this year too throwing for a lot of yards the offense looks like it's quick and i'd love to see hawaii get good i think that could be fun it would be why not you've got you got a whole uh home field advantage jade as we speak uh week five is already underway north carolina and miami are currently playing uh i i believe the last i checked i'm gonna look at look at it right now uh miami was up by quite a bit uh it wasn't looking good if you're a tar heel uh which is just on the other side of durham now how far is north carolina oh like 30 minutes. 30 minutes? I, I was going to say even less than that. But. Well, it depends which way you take. But uh, Yeah, it's currently 33-10 to 10, Miami, so we, we don't really need to talk about that game. Uh, Memphis at Tulane. Tulane's still rocking those sharp, angry wave helmets, boy. How Let me those? tell you. Uh, but before we actually get into week five, I do want to break down. Literally, I'm going to break down. It's going to be okay, honey. And we've got to talk about our sweethearts. Okay. I'm going to let Brick uh, drop in with his sweetheart news from North Carolina State first. So, Brick, go ahead and take it away. All right, fellas, I'm back. And I assume now that Patrick Norwood and Jade Stoner have begun talking about sweethearts. And while we get into the sweethearts, well, I've got something i got to bring up. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the site Pro Football Focus. A lot of people use them as the authority on grading players and how they perform. Believe it if you will, believe it if you won't, does not matter. I have to throw out that through four weeks of the season, you can go on Twitter, they verified it. They've ranked every starting quarterback at number one to this point of the season is NC State quarterback Ryan Finley because he tears it up, because he is a god among men, because he makes Tua Tungavailoa look like a toddler out there. Ryan Finley is the greatest college quarterback of all time. I, I, I don't feel like I need to back off of that stance even a little bit. right? Tim Tebow is nothing compared to him. Ryan Finley will graduate from NC State. He will go to the NFL, and people will say Tom Brady who within the first five years of his career, uh, bar none. I'm talking MVPs every season, Super Bowls, Ryan Finley. Number one, Tua is number two on that list, by the way. I promised I would go in on this because I picked a heck of a sweetheart this year, guys. All right, I don't really have anything to recap from last week. I just wanted to say that about my sweetheart, NC State, going undefeated. They're going to the playoff. They're going to beat Clemson. 
it's not even going to be close. It's it, it it really it's who will NC State play in the national championship. That's the only question that's left. All right, Jay, take it away for the rest of the podcast. Thank you for filling in for me this week. I can't wait to listen to hear what you had to say and how much shame you put me to. And Patrick, as always, great work, buddy. Thanks so much, and I'll be back next week. So Britt giving us that insight from the pack. I, look, I'm not even going to play Careless Whisper right now because I'm just too sad. Wake Forest just looked pitiful. They fired their defensive coordinator, uh, Jay Sovel, after the game. In a move that uh, Wake Forest deemed, quote, uh, building up for a long time, I think was one of the quotes, or uh, not just a snap decision. So, not great if you're a Demon Deacon. Um, and honestly, I, I, I'm just worried. I'm just worried about them. I, I, look, they've got a big game this week for me, all right? They play my, my sweetheart from last year that hurt me bad. They hurt me real bad. That relationship was not good. Rice, you hurt me. You don't deserve me. We've been over this. Wake Forest, you got to go put down Rice for me. All right? Get the interim DC in there, and let's get it going. Dave Clawson, get it going, man. Come on, nobody walks into BB&T Field and just beats you like that. I do want to say, Wake Forest put up a hell of a fight. They had him against the ropes for a little bit. But the game kind of got, I mean, it kind of got world star pretty quick, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. It wasn't great. Ladies and gentlemen, we do get uh, something kind of exciting right now. I'm not really sure how much we're going to hear from it after this episode. I'll, I'll give it a shout out in you the sweetheart segment from now on. Jade Stoner is about to announce her sweetheart. Uh, Jade, let me, just before we start. Can I ask you your reasoning behind why you're picking this sweetheart? I thought you didn't want me to go into this. At first I didn't, but I do want people to realize how little sweethearts are actually thought about on this podcast before we pick them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's it's literally just like, yeah, they sound good. So, Jade, your sweetheart. Is Northwestern. Ooh, why? Why? Because I am a huge Julia Louis-Dreyfus fan and a huge Seinfeld fan, and her son goes there. The son doesn't just go there. He plays basketball there. Played basketball? Didn't he graduate? Sure. You have no idea. <laughs> it's not March this year. I don't know yet. It's not March this year. Yeah. Like, I haven't heard back since last March. And you haven't checked in? Haven't even bothered to follow up? It hasn't come up. All right. Until this second. Go ahead and tell us about the Wildcats, Jade. Yeah, so... They are looking a little iffy this season. It's not great. It's not good. They lost to the Blue Devils already. Yeah, Duke Duke let them have it. They had a close game last week. They tried. And um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm just going to be radical here. I'm calling the upset this week. Mm. I think Northwestern is just going to give it to Michigan. Where's that game played? In Michigan. Okay, so we're calling Northwestern. Why not? With the upset. Hey. It's a sweetheart. It's your world. We're just living in it. Anything goes. Anything goes. Uh, NC State this week? They're at home this week. Brick was supposed to take care of that. I I know they're at home. They play Virginia. Virginia. That's right. That's that right. Yes. Yes. So Virginia's, uh, like I said, quarterback's an athlete, man. 
Uh, really looks like he can sling the ball too. He's got a good football IQ. It's just, it looks like they're starting to piece it together in Charlottesville. Um, looking ahead at week five matchups, we went through Louisiana and Alabama. Syracuse at Clemson. Clemson with the big headline this week. We're going to talk about this. I, mean, I only want to spend a couple minutes on this. Kelly Bryant is transferring from Clemson after the news that he will be benched. With the redshirt rule, he's only played four games. He can redshirt now. So he's going to redshirt transfer and go play somewhere else. There's been a lot of schools that have sort of come up in the rumor mill, on the radar. Two SEC schools. One down in Gainesville. One right across the state from a school that we care about very much. Auburn. Not saying, just saying. The rumor was that he and Debo Sweeney had a sit-down, I think that was Tuesday morning, uh, and this was decided that it was best for him to transfer. He said it felt like a slap in the face. I think this is very interesting. I was talking to someone about this earlier in the week, uh, where they said it, it it's just, it's going to be nuts now. That they hate the red shirt rule, because any kid that feels like he's been shorted, been gypped, not been given enough playing time, is going to red shirt and transfer after four games. And it's just going to be a vicious cycle over and over and over again. I could see it. I could see it too. But I don't think this Kelly Bryant situation or the Jalen Hurts situation, which it looks like Jalen's decided he's going to stay. I don't want to talk about that without Brick, but it does look like Hurts is going to stay. I think so. Right? Because, I mean, I don't don't anticipate Jalen playing a full game this weekend. Or, excuse me, Tua playing a full game this weekend. So you got to imagine that Jalen comes in at some point. That's his fifth game. He burns his red shirt and transfers out to the season which I don't think anybody would have a problem with. And I think it's very commendable. And I think morally it's a great decision. But as far as his career is concerned, I'm not sure it's a great decision. His career in college football, but maybe he's just trying to get to the NFL sooner. Jade, he's not an NFL quarterback. He could be. There's on, some... on, a, on a scout team? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe. But I think if he... I, I don't I don't know. I, I think if I were him, and obviously I'm not a college quarterback... <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> Uh, if I were him, I'd want to have those extra years to develop my skills. Maybe you go somewhere and you become that guy, you know, Maybe. and it just took a couple years for you to get there. But now it looks like Jalen's going to stay. But I think going back to my point, I think this Jalen hurts and Kelly Bryant situation are just different. I think they're just outliers. We've never seen anything like this. Trevor Lawrence came in and just from their spring game, just looked like he was going to be the guy. And if you, if you watch the games, there's only been one game where Kelly Bryant's played better, and that was Texas A&M. And yeah, that was a high-pressure situation. Trevor Lawrence didn't get a lot of playing time. And I wonder if that game would have been that close if Trevor Lawrence was the guy. I bet it happens more often than we think with like some of these like, less, like, positions that get less attention. Sure. Maybe, maybe like a left tackle somewhere, you mean? Yeah. Maybe. But it's not, it's not these skill position guys. It's not these high-name... Like, Kelly Bryant was, if you named name five quarterbacks who are going to succeed in 2018 before the season started, Kelly Bryant's one of those guys. Yeah. He's gone now. He lost his job and he's gone. It's crazy. It's just, that's what I mean. It's just, they're both outlier situations. Um, you know, now you've got guys like Nebraska's quarterback. FSU had a player transfer. You've got guys like that that they're not making huge names, right? They're not huge names. So when they transfer, it's like, okay, whatever. But then you look at Kelly Bryant, you look at Jalen Hurts, that's huge news. I know Brick is a huge fan of this rule. 
I like it from a fan's perspective because it looks like now you've got something to look forward to in week five. Even if your team's not really playing that well or there's not a lot of great games, you're looking at the guys that are going to transfer and where they're going to end up going. It adds a whole other element to the college football season. So it's just it's something to bring up. Again, I, I don't think it's going to affect Clemson nearly as much as it's going to affect Kelly Bryant. I think this is a, a one-sided thing as far as it, who it is going to uh, who it's going to hurt. But who knows? Maybe Kelly, Kelly Bryant goes to another school. He succeeds, does great. We're rooting for him. You know, I, I, I hate to see any guy feel like he gets slapped in the face after doing so much for his school. West Virginia at Texas Tech. We've already talked about that game. That's a noon kickoff. Uh, we let Brick handle that one. Only two more games I want to go over. Again, I've, I've already kind of gone over my time here, but I'm having such a good time. I'm having a great time. With Jade. So we're going to keep it rolling. Stanford plays Notre Dame. That game in South Bend. And then Penn State and Ohio State at 730 uh, I can't remember if that's a road game or if that's a game uh, that is being for Penn State, if it's a road game or if it's a game at home. I'm pretty I sure. I think it's in Ohio. You think it's in Columbus? That's around. Yeah, I think so. I first, uh, Let's see. Moment of truth, guys. This is a lot tougher when I'm sitting here recording by myself. Anyway, uh, that game is in Columbus. Again, that's at 7.30. Um, Penn State's got some issues to work out. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins is nothing to mess around with. Penn State, if you'll remember, almost lost to App State to start out the season. Woof. Who are you taking, Jade? Penn State or Ohio State? I'm going to go with Ohio State. Why? I think they have a cooler mascot. Okay, uh, I think Urban Meyer comes back and really fights with a vengeance this week. You know, last week was obviously his first week back, uh, but I, I think this week he, he really gets his hands around Penn State and really lets him have it. Um, as far as the game's concerned, you've got to let Dwayne Haskins throw, right? Uh, Penn State's pass defense has obviously uh, not been great this season. If you watch the App State game, you know that. Uh, Penn State has turned it around as of late, but I just don't see James Franklin getting it done against Urban Meyer at night in Columbus. I'm taking the Buckeyes on this one. Score prediction, I'll give it uh, 34-24 Ohio State. Jade, what's your score prediction? 35-25. 25? It was the equivalent of the Price is Right $1. (laughs) You're trying to Price is Right me with the score prediction. Yes. That's a Pat's interference first. Uh... Stanford and Notre Dame. Stanford obviously coming off the big win in Alton Stadium in Oregon. Uh, that was a night game. That's also a night game in South Bend. I'm predicting Stanford to win big in this one. I really am. I think Notre Dame is very overrated. I don't think they figured out their quarterback situation. Honey, I know they beat my sweetheart. I think you're just a little upset about that. Listen! I'm not that upset about it. I am. I'll never get over it. Right now. Uh, look... I don't think you can put in a backup quarterback in week three and beat a team like Stanford with a Heisman hopeful in Bryce Love when your rush defense has been just garbage. Total garbage. You have no idea. I have so much ideas. I don't think Brian Kelly gets it done. I don't think Notre Dame gets it done. Uh, if if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but that's a great 7-8 matchup in week five. Um, like we said, we will be at Duke 
going a little Duke Virginia Tech. Gobble gobble. Yeah, we're hoping, or else it's it's a good. We're gonna be gobbling either way. Look, if they don't win, the weekend's gonna turn south real quick. Say a prayer for us. I mean, it's this kid. Poor Kevin, inconsolable. We love you guys, honey. You were also inconsolable anytime. The Iron Bowl last year was not great. Yeah, so... It wasn't great, but we didn't lose to ODU. No, When ODU had 40 recruits there from the Norfolk area. That's a point that I didn't bring up. I'm going to go back to it. Let's go back to that game. Why not? ODU had 40 recruits in the Norfolk area. Virginia Tech was hoping to poach half. I don't know. I mean, they're not... They're not five-star guys. They're not going to go play at Virginia Tech and start immediately. But you're hoping to at least show out in the Norfolk area. But they're also, like, easy gets because they're close by. Not, I mean, sort not of. Not now, I guess. Not now. They're not easy gets now. Now all those guys are looking going, why would I go to Virginia Tech? They just lost to ODU. A team that, by the way, they play six more times between now and 2028. Really? Yeah. Oh, buddy. I feel a new and rivalry coming. No. And ODU gets a new stadium, too. Soon. Because they were playing at a high school field. A glorified high school field. That's what it looks like. If you take an aerial shot of that stadium, I've seen nicer high school fields. Sorry, I, I just... I, I That game just still baffles me. It really does. I think that's it, right? Is there anything else in week five? My phone's not working. I don't think we've got any other games in week five that we really need to discuss. Uh, Tennessee's at Georgia. Um, you know, you've got South Carolina and Kentucky... I don't see Kentucky uh, really giving it to South Carolina, but I, I could see South Carolina keeping it, or Kentucky keeping it close. I, I, I predict South Carolina with the upset this week. No, I'm buying into Kentucky. Kentucky's going to win this. Kentucky's yeah. at home, you forgot to mention. You're all by. Washington, BYU, I'm going to take as my upset watch this week. Not warning, but watch. Okay. Because I like that you said that. Thank you. That was smart. Uh, I'm going to go BYU with the upset watch this week at 8.30. Uh, Washington does get them at home. BYU has already played the upset card once this year, um, trumping Wisconsin. Uh, USC plays Arizona. That's your Pac-12 after dark game. And, oh, we'll be watching that one because Kevin Sumlin's got to get it together. USC's got to get it together. Let's let's get it together together. Cal, Cal plays Oregon. Justin Herbert's probably going to go off, and I'm going to be mad that Brick didn't let me pick him. As my dark horse for the Heisman. Everybody, this has been Pat's Interference. Uh, sound off? Do you have a sound off this week, Jade? Anything you want to talk about for a minute, minute and a half, two minutes? Well, now that you put me on the spot, no, but I always have things I want to talk about. Yes, we know. What are you going to sound off about? You know, I, I, I got in a discussion recently with somebody regarding space. Now, I love space. You know that. I know. Going to the moves, uh, moves. moon, I think it's really important for NASA to get to Mars. I think that's really, really important. A lot of people don't think that's important, including somebody who will remain nameless that's not going to listen to this podcast that thinks that space is, point, is, quote, pointless, that exploration to space is dumb, that that money is being wasted, that we need to go deeper into the ocean. I think that's, I think that's BS. I think that's terrible. Yeah, I'm sorry. Let's get to Mars. I'm reading Buzz Aldrin's book, so I'm getting a lot of a lot of that in my ear. Yeah. That's my sound off. Just get to Mars. Just get to Mars. We just gotta get to Mars, man. Thirty seconds to Mars? 
No. Don't make this a music podcast. <laughs> You've been waiting all night to make this a music podcast. Don't do this. I have not. What's your sound off? I don't... I, I honestly am drawing a blank and I'm so embarrassed right now. You had 55 minutes. I know. Well, I was so focused on the college football. I've been trying so hard. There's nothing at all? Not off the top of my head. All right. Jade is extremely happy with everything right now. Ecstatic. Mark this down. What does this take? September 27th. Jade's not mad at anything. I'm sure we're going to stop recording as, and I'll as find something. As soon as I hit stop. Gonna, oh, I should have brought up. I'm going to stub my toe or something. Yeah, it's, that'll be it. That'll be it. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. This has been Pat's Interference. More normalcy next week. We'll check in with uh, Jade's sweetheart in Northwestern. But it'll probably be back to me and Brick. We'll have Jade on a couple more times this year if she gets bored. She's not tired of us yet. Thank you so much for filling in. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is something that Brick and I have always wanted to do uh, since we were in college. Uh, We talked about it for years and years. Talked about doing a radio show. Basically, the guys at the radio station were like, yeah, you're not doing that. And then moved to opposite sides of Florida. And now we're moving to different parts of the United States year by year, it seems. And we're still doing this podcast. Year four. Hashtag senior year. Thank you so much for sticking along with us. We really, really appreciate it. And Jay, most of all, roll tide.